Welcome once again to We Muse Aloud, a podcast where anonymous voices share their thoughts on a theme within a dreamscape of music and ambient sound. This week's episode, which is being delivered to your ears right on time, I might add, is based less on a theme and more on a format. The first voice you will hear was asked one question. After answering it, they asked a question for the second voice, who both answered the provided question and asked one for the next voice. What you will hear is a chain of questions and answers that swerves through a variety of topics. As always, We Muse Aloud is best enjoyed with headphones. And now, let's begin with episode 8, Questions. Our first voice was asked, if you could live in any television series, where its events were your real life, which one would you choose? If I were to live in a TV show, I would live in um, the West Wing, probably. Um, everybody talks super fast about very important things, and, and they seem to do very important things. Um, I'd like to live in the time of the Bartlett administration, um, to be proud of the American president, well, and maybe an American proud of the American president, since I'm also Canadian. Oh yeah, no, I like Barack Obama. I guess, I guess I'd also want to go back in time to the George Bush years when we were watching The West Wing. You know what I mean? Um, so like, George Bush was terrible, and we were watching um, Jed Bartlett um, run America the right way. And I guess that's when I would want to go back to the West Wing. Um, tell us about a reoccurring dream you've had and um, what significance you think it holds. Um, we're gonna, guys, we're gonna roll, so keep it down, but you can still talk quietly. Okay? Thanks. Uh, well, when you asked me the question, m my mind first went to people's impressions of what recurring dreams are, and usually they're scary. Like, I was falling, you know. I start. I was flying. Uh, I what? My teeth were falling out. But then I, I, then like sort of the that's always like the first impulse is always maybe not the greatest one, and I. And I realized there's this dream that I have had recurring for years, and it's very interesting because I dream that there is this, I, I dream of a record store. I keep dreaming of this imaginary record store that seems incredibly real to me. And at the record store, I don't know what else is there, but I know that there, there are two bands that I always see there when I'm flipping through records. One of them is The Damned. There's always this, like, this, these damned records I've never seen before. And the other one is Husker Du. There's always these like really unusual, Husker Du records that are really rare and have like just different, they're like imaginary albums. And, and the record store is always in a different place. I feel like I have to, to walk down a long street to get there and sometimes it feels like I'm in 
uh, Brampton, where I grew up, like on my on, at, the, at the end of my street, like, and sometimes I feel like it's uh, north of where I used to live in New York, like it's up Broadway, further into Washington Heights, and it's just this weird. And I have to go there. One of the last times I had the dream, actually, the the store was. The store was closing. They had like a closing sale at the store, which I thought was really strange. Uh, that was the more reasonable. But yeah, but I but I go there all the time. And I, I always, yeah, I just go there in, in my mind and, and flip through records. And it's, it's just a weird. I don't know. I, I have no idea why it recurs. Um, in terms of the significance for me, I think because, and I just said this to a friend the other day. I said that that really is kind of my happy place to go to is to find. Doesn't have to be a record store, but like a used bookstore or any kind of any kind of store where there's just detritus. Like a, a sm I love going to like a small town, like a hawk shop or a, uh, a thrift store, because I always love seeing what really great things people have given up and is being sold for fifty cents. I just have to. There's a thing with me. I have to go in and and uh, you know. Just last week, I was reunited with a book that I, I had as a kid that I hadn't seen for like 30 years, and now we have a copy. It was, it was 50 cents. It made me, made me thrilled. So I, I don't know. There's something. So it's weird. So the fact that I think it's interesting, and this didn't occur to me until this very moment, it's interesting that that's a, a place that I go to in life where I can find kind of solace. It's funny that in my dream world, where essentially anything is possible, <laughs> I just want to go to look through records, old records, and find stuff. That's really interesting. Has there, is there someone you are friends with now who you couldn't stand the first time you met them, and why? So uh, one of my best friends, actually, uh, when we, when I first met him, I think it would have been grade two. It's a long time ago, uh, and he was very, very hyper at the time. And so I, when I was that young, I didn't particularly, I was like, hmm, I, I don't know if I'm into that. Like, that's a little bit too much for, for me. And we were never friends. In fact, we weren't friends until many years later in grade eight. Um, and even then we weren't entirely friends. Uh, I was hanging out with this other guy uh, and we were, you know, we'd bike around and we were hanging out all, all the time. And then uh, this other guy, Ryan, um, he, he, he was also friends with this other guy who was also named Ryan, so nice and confusing for everybody. Um, and so we would end up all, all of us hanging out. And so it was sort of this thing where we, we didn't necessarily hate each other, but like we never really were that uh, close. Uh, and I was always sort of a little hesitant. I had a little bit of a, a wall up when I first met him, but then we just started hanging out more and more and more. Uh, and eventually, like, uh, the, the Ryan who we were mutual friends with, I became less of a friend with him. Uh, but the other Ryan, like, we're like great buds now. And uh, I've been friends with him for years and years and years. And uh, it started off maybe not uh, sort of hands length away from him. I wanted to keep it arms length, but then now we've been good friends for a long time. He loves to talk about how when we first like met, like we didn't really hang out. I was probably way too nerdy or something like that for him. 
uh, and it took a long time for us to like sort of start hanging out and then we just sort of, I think what, the way he likes to tell the story, I think he would say something like it was through lack of options that we ended up hanging out together. Um, so we had lack of options and then we, we, kind of, we found out that we were both kind of okay with hanging out with the other person and we've just been friends since and so yeah, uh, it's it kind of interesting. It's interesting because uh, you, it speaks to the fact that you shouldn't judge books by the cover. And sometimes just the experience of being with someone over time, you, you get to learn about them. And you may find commonalities that you wouldn't, you have to be open to that. You wouldn't necessarily know it right away. You sometimes have to dig a little bit deeper and that shared experience can then be something where you, you grow into something that's really nice. So the question that I have for the next person is, where is there? To me, there is after uh, a long day of doing some kind of work, preferably creative and preferably uh, a collaboration. Uh, you know, it could be, uh, you know, you rehearsed a play all day. Um, or you're moving logs at a cottage, like manual labor, and you know, you're all exhausted and you go out for that first beer, preferably on a patio or you go sit in a park and you know, you're all kind of high on like whatever it is you accomplished that day and so you've earned this moment and you can just relax. My question is, when you give yourself a good talking to, who is the voice? I wish I had uh, a really cool answer. I wish I did. I really don't. It's very much my mother. It's, that's the only voice I hear for many reasons. One, because her advice is very practical. Um, I joke often that I've always wanted a onesie, which I've recently acquired. And uh, whenever I've wanted one in the past, my mom used to always say, but how will you pee? How will you pee? Are you going to get naked in the bathroom? I guess the answer is now yes, I will, because I now own a onesie. <laughs> That's good. I mean, yeah, and other practical advice includes like, I remember a very, very specific memory of us, um, of me getting ready for, I guess it was either my birthday or someone else's birthday. I was like 12 and we were gonna go see the man in the iron mask. And all of our, all of my girlfriends were all over and we were all getting ready in my room and putting on makeup and getting dressed and like, ugh, boy, girls, movies, exciting stuff. And um, my mom definitely walked in and was like, you're going to be sitting in a dark room. There's no reason we're going to be putting on makeup. This is absolutely ludicrous. So all of it's very practical advice. And now as I've gotten older and uh, now more than ever, especially since she passed away, and that's kind of all I... All I hear most of the time is her, and in, in practical senses, as I've described, but also in like very broad senses. Like she's she always knew that I was braver than I would let on, so she would always remind me of that. And when I feel my confidence waver, that's definitely her coming out and her encouraging travel and music and. Um, 
being creative and exploring that kind of side of me before I did anything else. Yeah, so encouraging me in terms of travel, like she, I mean, I've been very fortunate that travel has been bred into like my life and that's something that's very key for me. But even like when I was in my kind of first serious relationship, she, she was like, please don't let this one person dictate the choices that you make because they might not be the choices that are for you. I think she, she felt that probably a lot growing up with her family and with um, definitely my dad. So yeah, I mean, whenever anyone, whenever I need a boost, whenever anyone's, you know, messing with me a bit, I, I hear her voice in the back of my head and she's telling me what's actually true, what's really going on. So I, yeah, I replay her a lot. When you are feeling least like yourself, how do you reset? I think for me, it's, it's very much like a mental thing. So it's, it's about kind of dispelling that. There's this thing, when I used to go to acupuncture, they talked to me about called running piglet. So it's like a, a chi upshoot thing that causes this kind of anxiety. Um, and of course, you can get treated with acupuncture. But so that's also one thing that I would do regularly, but I don't always have the money for it. So it's very much trying to get out of a headspace. I think it's like a negative thought thing for me, a spiraling thought. Uh, so what helps will be something like going for a run uh, or anything like that. Something that will just calm myself down and put me in a place where I'm almost exhausted, you know, like I need to to just get rid of any recurring element through repetition. So going through a process like running where it's like an immensely repetitive process that it gets to the point where I just kind of zone out. And after I do that for a good long while, it tends to let me ground a bit more. It's anything I can do to ground, because I feel like that whenever I'm not myself is when I'm least grounded uh, and very much separated from my body and from myself in space. If you could be any other race other than what you currently identify as, what would you choose and why? Okay, I, mm, all right, I don't feel like, um, all right, as a white man sitting in the lap of privilege where I'm not getting carded and killed by police or I'm not getting a like a raw deal from the justice system and I'm not getting objectified or mocked by racist white people on a regular basis um, and I'm at the comfy end of a lot of power dynamics it would be it would be ridiculous for me to say that I would want to take any of those things on that I would you know choose to be the sub victim of racism because I'm not now um, We're living in a racist society and white supremacy is evident everywhere you look and fuck you if you don't think it is, right? Because it's, it's evident. Um, but all kinds of races or ethnicities have created stuff that's distinctly theirs, right? And so 
like, uh, for example, I've, I've loved hip hop most of my life. And um, all aspects of hip hop culture come from black culture, right? There's a, um, there's a common statement being made these days about racism that says um, to white people, you love black culture, but you don't love black people, right? Um, which is a big part of the problem in the way that we celebrate and appropriate um, a lot of aspects of black culture, including music and fashion. And um, so any engagement I can have with hip hop will always be as an outsider or a fan, or at worst, as an appropriator, um, as a, um, you know, we, people say culture vulture, right? Like somebody who's just picking and choosing the best parts of, of, of a particular culture that will serve them and not being down for um, the hard parts. And that's unfortunately what a, how I feel I am, right? It's hard to escape that. So like a lot of white people, I covet so many aspects of black culture, but I think that I'd sound like an idiot saying I'd choose to be black because of all the other things black people have to deal with that I don't have to. And I would extend that because of the state of race relations in the world today, I would extend that to most other races in response to this question. <laughs> um, fuck, uh, <laughs> this question is making a fool out of me. I think I sound ridiculous right now, but I'm not sure how to answer it. So um, if I had to choose to be a race other than my own, I would choose to be Vulcan. Um, my question is, what work of art has profoundly inspired or moved you? A piece of art that's inspired me has definitely been the comic book Watchmen. Um, I feel like that comic book is like a virus. Once you read that book, um, everything you understand about comics kind of goes out the window and it infects the, the story just infects your thoughts and you can't stop thinking about it. Um, when I look back to my experiences as a young comic book lover, um, a family friend introduced me to Watchmen at a time when I was just a huge fan of Marvel and DC and um, sort of the same old sort of recycled stories, bad guy versus good guy. Um, and once I got the Watchmen trade and went through this mind-blowing story, just the detail of the story alone, the words themselves, the artwork by Dave Gibbons is just extremely beautiful. Um, every panel in that six panel format that they have, um, everything has more meaning everything there's there's other thoughts there's there's messages embedded within the images themselves um, it just has this whole mythology about it and I was just blown away by the the, the craft the way that it was crafted um, the 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 way that the characters are analogs of so many of the characters that I had loved for so long and um, seeing them placed in a in a different sort of context and finding myself kind of blown away by it, by it all, just 
Yeah, it was the, it was just the first time that I felt um, that my my feelings about comics as an art form had changed after reading Watchmen. I became almost obsessed with finding, I guess, more uh, obscure or alternative artwork comics um, in general. I wanted more of what that comic had given me in everything, every kind of media that I consumed. I started looking for different kinds of music. I started exploring different kinds of artists I'd not ever looked at before in my life. Um, and I think I read the Watchmen book, The Trade, so much so that uh, the, the copy I still have is pretty much falling apart at this point. Um, because once you read it once, you have to go back and just uh, absorb it again. Um, now definitely it might not be for everyone. I understand not everybody is a big fan of comics, but I would say that if there's one comic you should read, it's definitely that one. Um, I think it has more to say about the human condition than um, a lot of uh, classic novels that I've read have to say. Um, and there's a sort of comic book superhero veneer over it. Um, but if you peel off that superhero stuff and you just look at the, the characters themselves juggling with these extreme situations and questioning themselves philosophically, it's really sort of about like what what it means to be human and what what is what is humanity's purpose. Um, it's a yeah, it's a comic that I think um, says a lot more about America uh, than maybe people give it credit for. Anyway, it, I think it's it, whether you're a, a fan of comic books or you're not, it's definitely something that I think should be absorbed, something that should at least be read once, um, just for the sheer um, risk-taking, uh, both visually and stylistically, um, and uh, for the story itself. You really have to pay attention in Watchmen. You can't just um, gloss over the pages. Um, everything that happens means something. It has weight to it. Um, which is why I guess I was a bit disappointed by the movie in some respects. It just didn't have that same weight. There's something about comics as a medium, um, the telling the story from panel to panel, um, and your brain has to fill in those blanks and you know you can rewind so to speak you can jump back on those panels and review them again um, and I think Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons they kind of knew that they tapped into that um, and they knew that they if they were gonna say something interesting with this they really had to think everything through they had to make sure that all these details meant something um, it wasn't there's nothing in that comic that doesn't have a purpose um, and it, 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 it everything that you read pushes the narrative forward whether it's the actual panels themselves or the information that you can read in between each issue um, that expands on the world and the mythology of the characters it's just so it's so brilliantly thought out. Um, it's one of the first uh, sort of huge experiences for me 
of just having been in a world that I felt was completely, even though it was completely fantastic, it also felt completely, uh, I believe that it was a world that could, could, could exist, and I believe that those characters uh, could exist in that world. I, there were not, not at one point did I feel that it was too fantastic or too over the top. What's something you wished you learned but never did? Okay, so um, yeah, I think there are, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, there are probably millions of things that I um, would love to know how to do and have never got around to. Um, the one thing that I thought of in particular when you asked me that question was learning how to do some kind of a martial art, like be it karate or taekwondo or whatever. Um, I very briefly took karate lessons. My mom shuffled me off to karate um, back when I was, oh geez, I don't know, maybe eight or nine, very young. And I was painfully, painfully shy as a child, like just so socially awkward. And I found doing any kind of group activity excruciating. <laughs> so I, I kind of, you know, mustered up my courage and, and um, uh, went for a few of these lessons and I guess said that I didn't like it, didn't want to do it anymore. And so my mom said, okay, well, you tried it out a few times and you didn't like it, so, so I didn't go back. Um, and I always kind of regretted it. Um, I'm, I'm a huge action movie fan and superhero fan and, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, you know, so I, I watch these shows and I think, man, I wish I too had the capability of kicking ass and I so don't. So, um, yeah, so I think if, if I were to narrow it down, um, I often think there are all kinds of things that I would like to do. If I won the lottery, I would just take every kind of lesson ever and uh, learn how to do all kinds of things and go back to things that I started to do and stopped. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, martial arts of some sort would be, would be my go-to. Um, I just recently read on Facebook that a teacher friend of mine just got her black belt over the weekend. And I was like, what? I had no idea that you even did this. Her status was, uh, was I, uh, I got a, I, yesterday I got a pedicure and a black belt in the same day. <laughs> it's like, well said lady, that's what we should all aspire to. So I thought, oh man, I really should have, really should have gotten my black belt, but alas, I did not. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode's contributing voices are Nancy Drew, Christopher Warsmetz, Cole Peen, Glyn Bowerman, Megan Poole, Jeff Paris Ram, Ron Kelly, Mr. M, and Charlene Donovan. All of the music was composed and produced by Ron Kelly.
You can follow us on Twitter at WeMuseAloud, and like us at Facebook.com slash WeMuseAloud. If the idea of helping us expand our audience appeals to you, the best thing you can do, aside from telling people about We Muse Aloud, is to rate and review us on iTunes. That sort of activity brings us closer to the featured podcasts page on iTunes, and oh baby, the sky would be the limit then. We here at We Muse Aloud Enterprises hope to avoid burnout. And it's been decided that after episode 10, the podcast will enjoy a summer hiatus, before returning in the fall with a series of 10 more episodes. So if you've missed any, that break after episode 10 will provide ample time to go back and hear them. If you've heard them all already, you might choose to use the time to construct an enormous papier-mâché hat. Think of the possibilities.